didn't see it coming. The podcast about brands that learn from the past, are looking to the future, and are profiting because of it today. I'm your host, Mark Stoiber. In my experience writing speeches for people, I find the biggest hurdle is right at the very beginning. People are extremely timid when it comes to writing big visionary ideas down for themselves. Even though, as listeners, those are exactly the ideas they love to hear because, well, they capture your imagination. So how can somebody who wants to write their own speech come up with a big visionary idea that's going to capture their audience's attention and make sure that they cement their thinking into their audience's mind? To help explain how to unlock this sort of secret big idea in people, I brought aboard my friend and uh, colleague, John Marshall Roberts. Now, John is a self-described mad scientist who has published multiple books on this topic, on getting into the psychology of people and helping them express themselves. His latest book is called The Voice Code. John, welcome aboard. Thank you, Mark. Good to be here. Good to have you. So, like I said, my experience uh, is that people are very timid about writing big visionary speeches, even though they love speeches like that from people like John F. Kennedy, Martin Luther King, Gandhi, even business people like Elon Musk. Why are they so afraid to put down big ideas in their own speech? It's a great question, Mark, because the truth is I'm one of these uh, people who's addicted to those big ideas, and I've, I've never, I would, I've been, I'd maybe perhaps uh, too dumb to be afraid of thinking big, but I've uh, often brought ideas out in the world and found that other people uh, were, were, were taken aback, and I spent a lot of my life trying to want, uh, figure that out. What was so scary about big ideas? Um, and I finally, you know, believe that I cracked the code to understand what's going on there at that deeper level of mind. Why is it that people uh, on one level just love to watch Martin Luther King talk about I have a dream uh, and maybe even fantasize in their own mind about doing doing something like that one day. But when it comes down to it, the big idea scares them and they get writer's block and they want to try to play it small and safe. Um, my explanation is a condition that I've named frame lock. I believe that everybody has the, the same potential visionary potential as a Martin Luther King, uh, as, uh, you know, a Steve Jobs. Uh, now, not everybody's going to speak like them, but everybody has that access to that same potential. But what happens is we get trained uh, to think from a limited frame of reference, right? We get locked into that frame of reference, and we grow to mistake uh, who we are as a person, you know, that potential with what we believe, with our self-concepts. And when that happens, we get frame-locked, and we start to become afraid of our own power. Uh, and so we get into a habit of wanting to watch other people on TED, you know, uh, and, and enjoying that, but feeling like we don't possess that same kind of potential ourselves when it comes time to sit down and really express our own greatness in the world. You know, that's funny that you should mention TED, because um, with your Ultimate Speech, the company that we just launched, um, the big sell th- selling point that I mentioned to people is that we help them unleash their inner TED. And when I say that, that has an incredible impact on people. They lift up their head and go, oh, 
I love that because everybody loves TED style talks. They love hearing that, but they are so frustrated because when they actually go to write their own talk, it ends up being death by PowerPoint. It drops way down into execution and strategy as opposed to vision. So my next question, you know, you're sitting with someone and you have to bring a big visionary idea out of them and they're completely frame locked. How the heck do you do it? <laughs> uh, you have to make people laugh. Now, I mean, I have, you know, the, the saying I like is, you know, you've got to own the frame, change the game. People have to be willing to own the frame of reference in order to really let their voice, what I call, you know, their deeper knowing out. But the question then is how do we get people to own their frame of reference uh, and really, you know, bring their vision to the world when they are trapped in a limiting frame of reference that was, you know, programmed into them since childhood. I find that there are many different ways, but the, the ultimate goal here is we've got to get people out of their habitual ways of thinking. And I find that laughter, irony, and paradox are a really great way to go about that. Um, also, the element of surprise. So, you know, we do uh, leadership coaching, and it's interesting that you were talking about your tagline. One of the uh, things that we'll do sometimes on our Facebook when we're messaging for a webinar is, you know, are you, would you rather be, uh, would you rather watch Ted or be a Ted caliber visionary, right? Mm -hmm. It's like really challenging people, see, to kind of break that frame. Uh, you know, so, you know re helping people kind of break through this uh, complacency to recognize that they truly have greatness within them um, is, I think, the first step. Um, so people have to be up for a challenge, and if they are, then uh, humor paradox and uh, and surprise are really great elements to just get people out thinking out of the proverbial box so you, right when, when we you, get into that field of uncertainty together uh, that's when the real fun starts and when our voice begins to uh, shine through those old belief frames so now you've you've brought somebody to a place of uncertainty and made them comfortable with the uncertainty by bringing in elements like laughter paradox bring down the sort of the tension um, what happens, though, when the person sees uh, this sort of a revolutionary idea come out of their brain for the first time? I imagine that must be pretty cathartic. Oh, yeah, it's beautiful. It's what I live for. Frankly, it's that when the light goes on, when the light goes on, it's sort of obvious, right? Yeah. It's just, there's that saying, I've always loved the old Southern sayings, it's hard to, it's hard to read the label from inside the jar. <laughs> hard to read the label from inside the jar. So, you know, I consider myself, you know, I've done my, you know, my best to try to read my own label uh, from, from inside the jar. I've done all this science, really trying to understand what my own big idea for the world was. Um, when I finally came around after many years of searching, it turns out that my big idea was that I could help other people find their big ideas. My calling was to help other people find their callings and really to help people see their own label. You know, and stand outside the jar with them and be a reflection of that. Because when you find it, it's always something simple. It's something so obvious. You know, I can point to you and I, right? I yeah. did a little coach a couple of years ago, and you were frame-locked with around this book. And, um, you know, I, I just took a couple words that you spoke with passion in the middle of a few sentences, reflected them back to you. It was about the fact that brands are people. I'll never forget it. Because in that moment, right, we were doing the Skype, and I saw you light up. I go, yep, he got it. Yeah. It's so obvious. You love 
you, you love to bring the people back into the business, right? Like you have a calling somewhere around that, right? And, and when you get your calling, I get mine because, see, that's my calling. So we both light up. Yeah. And so really just looking for that light is kind of my work, right? And when other people find theirs, I find mine. But that's kind of how this thing I call voice works. That's the paradox. It's like when, you know, so, um, you know, how do we do that? We really just need to be open-minded. We need to uh, be willing to listen to a deeper level of our mind than we normally do. Uh, there's some helpful distinctions that mm-hmm. we can make to make that process a lot quicker. One of the most important distinctions I like to make is the distinction between believing and knowing, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So often we believe things, and we believe we know them. But knowing is different. Belief always has an opposite. But when you know something, you just know it, and you know it now, and people could disagree with you, and that's fine, because your knowing's not threatened in the least. So that's how you kind of know when you found that big idea, is when you access this sense of excitable knowing and a desire to share. You know, it's funny because you brought up um, uh, how you worked with me. And just to put this in context for people who don't know, I was uh, trying to write a book. And I was uh, I was locked up, and I couldn't figure out how the heck to write this in a way that would actually take advantage of stuff I knew. I just wanted to write another business book. And then working with you, uh, we came across the idea of just uh, to come across, uh, just to talk about my journey through advertising, and then that became the implosion of advertising and what's replaced it. And the book was called "Didn't See It Coming." And I remember when I worked with you that um, once we came up with that idea of just sort of a happy little ramble, telling a story that's just important to me, um, it suddenly made the writing of the book super easy. So the hardest part of the book was actually unlocking the big idea at the beginning, and that, that was super helpful. So let me, let me go to the next question. You know, um, everybody's heard Simon Sinek talk about your why, uh, you know, that you have to start with why. And you and I, in a previous conversation, talked about something that you can't outsource your why, you know, that you have to bring, uh, that you have to get this out of yourself. Now, why would most people choose to have a small why? Why would they rally around somebody else's why? That is, you know, let me make it simple. Why would I be so entranced by Elon Musk or, or Steve Jobs or Paul Pullman or, or one of the great business leaders and say, that's my why? Why would I be so willing to outsource it and ride on their coattails and be afraid to do it myself? Well, it's a, it's a great question. And, and then my thinking, it goes right back to the, the concept to framework, this condition that I call framework. I mean, l- let me explain that a little bit, see how that works. Because once we understand framework, we understand really let, that almost the only problem real, ever is really within our mind. All, the, all, all, all limitations are self-imposed, and the only barrier is belief. Well, framework has us think backwards. It has us look to the outside world to control our inner world, right? So we might want to have six-pack abs and a bigger house so that we can be happy mm-hmm. to make it right? We might want to write a big speech so that we can be admired and then feel successful, right? Uh, but the reality is that everything starts from the inside out, right? We, uh, you know, the, in reality, things grow from the inside out the same way that a plant grows from the ground. Great lives of prosperity, you know, vision grows from the inside out by following that instinctual creative knowing that I call our voice and that has been called many different things by many different people. Our why is really 
the the portal, like our voice gives us our why. We can't right. find our why inside of ourselves. We came here, you know, a certain sperm and an egg came together at a specific place in time to produce this being that we are, right? And we, there's never been another one like it. There will never be another one again. So we came here with a specific function, and the world can't tell us what that is. That grows from within. The question why is powerful because it directs our attention back to the source, the core, if you will, of our being. But when we're frame-locked, we're looking for our source, right, outside mm-hmm. of ourselves. So we look for food outside of ourselves. We look for jobs outside of ourselves. Why not look for our purpose outside of ourselves as well? It's rational until we get that it's not rational at all because nature doesn't work that way. So we're, we're, conditioned, we're conditioned to go looking outside for stuff that's going to guide us. And then so we're left kind of standing there very insecure when we go, uh-uh, this time you're not going to find it outside. You, you actually have to dig deep and own it. Yes, and so it's really, it, it can be intense, and it's really scary when we're frame-locked to consider that our, you know, that uh, the ground that we're standing on might, might be a little shakier, you know, that we're, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. but that's the uh, 21st century. Welcome to the world of accelerating change and disruptive innovation. In this world, we have to really be a lot more like a lighthouse uh, than anything else. We need to st- find out what our why is and then stand for it and shine it and so that we can attract those who are meant to work with us. It's actually a lot simpler than the old world once we uh, are commit to the process of really knowing what it is that we stand for, right? And that right. would be our why. But it's never going to be outside of ourselves. We need to be willing to consider that we're frame-locked. We've been thinking outside in, and it's time to learn how to unlearn, right, some old beliefs so that we can think inside out. If we just commit to that process, what happens is we start to have fun. And we start to realize that we have been missing the boat uh, with the whole survival-based conversation, when in reality the people who are succeeding in this new world are having fun being who they are, sharing their gifts. We get to play that game, but only we can authorize that choice. Wow. Now... Uh, I've had personal experience, you know, with the speech writing business, again, uh, with your ultimate speech, that uh, when people get that big idea, and I remember one person I wrote this speech for, uh, her speech was called The Problem with Passion, why it's hard to find it, why it's hard to develop it, and why it's hard to keep it focused. And she liked it so much that she turned around and says, "Uh, now I want you to write my book. So she wants to write a bigger version of that. And since that time, uh, I've had a couple of people come up and we write speeches for them and, uh, and they come back and say, well, we're going to turn this into a book. And then from the book, we're actually going to turn it into a business. Now, I bet you, you've had experiences like that too, where you unlock somebody's deeper sense of meaning and, and get them to the big picture. And suddenly you can see all the other stuff falling into place so that they can refocus their career, that they can refocus, uh, where they want to go in the world and they can refocus on, on what makes them happy. You've got some good stories about that stuff. Oh, yeah, I have a bunch of stories, and what I find is that um, everybody comes at this. Everyone is in the same boat. We're all um, – there's been like an operating – like a social or cultural operating systems upgrade 
uh, that has happened through the uh, you know emergence of new technologies and you know many to many communications where the top you know old beliefs are crumbling right and people are scrambling to try to figure out how to how to really get with these times and, and what I've found is that everybody whether I'm going to a sustainability conference or you know whether I'm in, in, in New Zealand or Istanbul people are all struggling uh, to learn how to navigate in this new kind of both and world where anything's possible and nothing is real right mm-hmm. <laughs> or everything um, and, and I think there are many different ways to look at this elephant. Um, but what I've found is that when, when, you know, I, when I can help somebody uh, learn to reverse that frame so that they can start to hear what's going on inside and just follow the joyful, simple uh, guidance of their voice, which speaks from knowing rather than belief, then, you know, the, then it has a ripple effect, a snowball effect where they start to really get it, you know, like they're learning how to swim in these new waters. I think what's brilliant about your particular path is that, you know, when you focus on something as could, like a speech, writing a speech, right, you're really challenging people to, to, to really dig down into the DNA of their calling in the world, mm-hmm. right, but in a way that's manageable, that doesn't feel overwhelming. Um, you know, and, and I, I'm not sure which story to tell, and I think you're one of my, frankly, best stories uh, that kind of mimics the the lens that you're talking about, because with you, you came here just writing a book, right? And now it's grown into this whole, in some ways, that set you on the path, which led to this new business vision of writing speeches for others. Right? But the world came to you and said, hey, could you write this for us? See, it's all organic. You're starting to follow your voice. Other people are coming up, and, and it's like they're saying, hey, you could provide value here. That gives you an idea. You have a new business model. You experiment with that. You see, we're in this, uh, we're in this constant process of learning, Right, following our voice, learning, and ultimately unlearning, right, the old way. Right. right? So that shift from learning to unlearning, from um, information to, you know, being the context or the frame or the vision through which information channels, right? Google. Right. Right. <laughs> like this right, is right. A, a new way of a new way of thinking. And we're all learning it together. And I think what's happening that's interesting is that we're creating business models that ultimately are helping other people learn this way. You know what I mean? Your business model is teaching the same thing mine does from a different vantage point. But I think the uh, the big thing is that a lot of people don't recognize what that this shift has happened, and they're still trying to hide out in ways that, that no longer work. And and because of that, they're letting their, what I call their shadow, that inner voice that says you're not good enough, says you can't do it. They're letting that shadow uh, keep them trapped, you know, in an either-or mindset that is increasingly uncomfortable. You know, and so when you ask them to write a speech or if I ask people to start to learn some new skills around leadership to get into this, it's going to be a little awkward at first yeah. because everything new is a little bit awkward at first. There's no way around it. The question is, my opinion, is it good, are they going to be fearful or are they going to see this as the best adventure of their life? You know, are they going to be afraid of risk or are they going to be seeking the greatness at their core? If we frame this as a fun experience and an opportunity, then it goes a lot quicker. And, and actually, that's half the battle for those of you, us like you and me, who are working with people to try to get them out of that fear-based mindset. Well, it's true. You know, you, you get them to try on new clothes and you get them and you actually reflect stuff back. And I say, OK, well, if we're going to do this, uh, if this is going to be the why, the big idea, then here's how the structure might work. And see now, here's how all your stories fall into place underneath that. If you, your why is like the star at the top of the Christmas tree, then suddenly I can recontextualize your stories into being all the lights and tinsel on the Christmas tree and look at the finished effect. It actually looks pretty good. And they look at it and go, I can't believe it. And not only can I not believe it, but it's super easy for me to talk it. You know, and I think that's wonderful because you get them into this new suit of clothes that they weren't sure about when they saw on the rack. 
But then when they actually put it on, they go, oh, this is exactly me. In fact, it's a, you know, I'm, I don't know what I was doing with the old wardrobe for so long. This feels much better, much fresher. So I, I want to finish off today, um, you know, just final thoughts for someone who is looking at the first step. They're standing in front of the abyss. They're going, you know, something has, has to change. I'm not happy with my life, or in my case, uh, you know, I have to write a big speech for a conference and I want to make sure that everybody leans forward in their seat. Is there something that people should do uh, when they're first starting out? Now, my own opinion is get somebody to reflect back on you get get some outside help on this but what are your thoughts on on the very first step when you're taking that first step into the abyss uh, you know it's different for every person but i think the best thing we can do is live the question you know i'm trying to give one little bit like to kind of shift the frame mm-hmm. because i think the most damaging part of the you know the old framework mindset that we're moving from is this idea that we're looking for answers, right? And there's this idea that there's going to be an answer that comes in language, you know, and it's like information, right? The truth is that in this new world, it's not about answers. It's about finding the right question. And so I think that there's, you know, people can really ask themselves right now, um, you know, as, if, as you face this resistance to, re- you know, you have something great in you. Uh, you know it. You can feel it. That's your voice. It's there. But it's kind of scary to look at. You know, be a warrior. Uh, say, you know, you know, what question, it lights me up, you know, what, what, what are the five questions right now that I could live and just enjoy the wonder of that? You know, uh, you know wonder and worry are, 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 are different ends of the same spectrum. When we follow our, uh, when we're frame-locked, we worry. Uh, when we follow our inner knowing, our voice, uh, you know, that worry becomes wonder and we revel in the unknown. So I would say the first thing we need to do is open our minds by learning to embrace our curiosity and ask questions and be bold in that question asking. What three questions am I unwilling to ask right this moment? Write them down. Challenge your resistance. Embrace it. Recognize that that there's nothing bad going to happen when you do that because an open mind is a first step to a great life. Holy, that's a fantastic closer. That's a very, very big idea and very positive. The whole idea that don't expect to have the big answer, but at least get comfortable with asking the question. I think that's a great way to start, and it's a great thought starter for people out there. John, I want to thank you for taking the time. I know with your new book and your coaching business, things are really starting to get traction. How can people get a hold of you? No, good question. Um, Worldviewthinking.com. I'd say sign up on the mailing list there. We're unveiling a whole lot of stuff. The book, uh, my next book, Voice Code, How to Be a Force of Nature, coming out in the spring. We're having uh, workshops in Montreal, Los Angeles. Things are really heating up. I've been spending a lot of years trying to get this engine built so that we could come into the world, and I think our timing is great. And I'm so happy uh, to have been on this. Thank you for letting me talk about my favorite topic. Awesome. Again, folks, if you're listening, Worldview Thinking uh, is the website. John Marshall Roberts is my guest. And John, thank you so much for joining me here today. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for having me, Mark. Rock and roll. Talk to you later. You've been listening to Didn't See It Coming, the podcast about brands that learn from the past, are looking to the future, and are profiting because of it today. I'm your host, Mark Stoiber. If you want to get a hold of me, drop me an email at mark, M-A-R-C, at markstoiber.com. 
M-A-R-C-S-T-O.